Sony criticizes Microsoft's content policies. The creative director for Halo 4 quits due to creative differences. And Big Point doesn't believe EA, Ubisoft, or Valve understand monetizing content. That plus more on today's MASHcast. Badminton player Rob Hill Williams. Hello, guys. And uh, also here is senior editor and professional NASCAR driver Nick Santangelo. Yo, just stopped for a quick pit stop to record the podcast. What's up, everyone? Oh, yeah, that, that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody just tumbled over the drum set into the orchestra pit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, but this is uh. Mash cast number one. We got a lot to cover, so we're just gonna get right into it. Rob, what you been playing? Number one. Oh, I said twenty-one, didn't I? Did I say number one? My you bad. Said number one. See, that's how busy. <laughs> that's how I mean. That's how big this podcast is. Like I'm losing track of the numbers. This is number twenty-one. Thank you. There we it's go. It's so good. We can tell in advance it's gonna be so good. We just think it's number one. Yeah, like in your hearts. That's definitely. <laughs> one in your hearts. Yeah, number one in your hearts. Number one on the field. Number one in your heart. <laughs> All right, so Rob, what you, yeah, what you been playing? Um, I've been playing Deus Ex. Um, finally, you know, got a little bit into the game. You know, finally running around in the central hub city, Detroit. What, what? Uh, good time. It's a good time. Uh, I've been playing Dead Island really early in that. Katie's been playing that more than I have. Um it's very like she compared it to Fallout, which I thought was interesting. But uh, I'm not really far enough to make that much, like that kind of an assessment. <laughs> but um, and Plants vs Zombies because it's uh, free on PlayStation Plus this month. Well, free period. I guess if you download it, you have it forever. But uh, fun game. Never played it. Never got a chance to play it before. Oh. Free is good. Yeah. Well, I have it. Like I mean, I had it on my PC and all. But I got a Plants vs Zombies on my phone, and I've gotten way much, you know, way farther on it on my phone than I ever did on my PC. Oh yeah, Katie's like destroyed it on her phone. Yeah, <laughs> like... it's, it's, it is a very, very awesome phone game. Um, yeah, but uh, what you been playing, Nick? Uh earlier in the week I was playing a lot of Resistance Three, which you guys have you haven't checked out yet. Look at my my full reviews up on the site for that. Really good game. I really enjoyed it. Didn't quite think it was. Um, like the revolution in sci-fi first-person shooter campaigns that I've seen some other outlets make it out to me, <laughs> yeah, which yeah. I thought is a little over-the-top in the rhetoric department, but 
it was very good. Yeah, the guns were great. It's a cool game. Had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I Not know. the greatest thing ever made, but very good. Other than that, uh, I just picked up yesterday Star Fox uh, 64 3D for the 3DS in case that you was just so put many that together. Numbers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Part 3, Section 4, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's cool. The 3D looks really good, I got to say. It doesn't have any of the ghosting issues which I've noticed on a number of previous 3DS games like Ocarina and Resident Evil. 3D actually just looks really great. Um, other than that, it's not that far yet, but, you know, I've beaten 100 times, so they had 64. It's the same game. It just it looks a lot better. The controls feel really well, and I'll have my review up at some point this week. That's pretty much all I've been playing this week. How about you, Jared? What's going on? Uh, me, I have a couple of games. Uh, one, I've started playing L.A. Noir again, but that's because we're prepping. Uh, the next Versus series is going to be L.A. Noir versus Heavy Rain. So I already beat Heavy Rain at least one time. Need to f- at least finish L.A. Noir. And then I'm going to go play more Heavy Rain and have somebody die this time. Um, nice. Yeah. Uh, playing Rock of Ages, I got the review up for that. It's not for everybody. <laughs> it's not a bad game, but it's definitely got a specific, I guess, niche that it's it's gonna work with, especially in terms of its humor. So um, it's got like it, you know, basically as you go through, you you know, you battle against all these well-known historical figures like Plato and Aristotle and uh, Leonardo da Vinci and stuff like that, and they put pop culture references in there. In, in their little comedy skits that they have. And most of them I didn't really find funny. The one I did find funny, there was a Matrix reference. Well, you know how in the Matrix um, 2, they go into that, that room with all of the, the screens and you talk to the architect? Yeah. <laughs> so before you go to fight Da Vinci, you go into this like this building and it's fill, like the wall is filled with pictures of the Mona Lisa. And Leonardo Da Vinci there is there sitting in the chair speaking to you and they said they call me the architect <laughs> and like you know <laughs> <laughs> you know he starts telling how the world how, your character how the world that he's in is fake and it's all a part of a uh you know created by the people and it shows the developer's studio uh, and it says, breaks the fourth wall <laughs> exactly yeah so that was funny but other than that a really fun comedy but other than that i mean I would, I would definitely check out the demo to see if it's for you, because it definitely has, it's, 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 it's for specific people, but it's not a bad game. Other than that, I have been playing Take Arms, which, uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna reserve my comments on that for now. I'm gonna play it a little bit more and see how I feel online. But I started playing Sky Drift, which came out on XBLA this weekend. Oh, sorry, not weekend, but on Wednesday. And that's like Blur, but it's airplanes. And uh, I like it so far. I like it. And the thing is, like when I played the first level, um. And I didn't win on my first try. I was very, I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to check this out because that's very rare now where you play, you know, your first level and you don't just win in a racing game, you know. So I was that interested me, but um, I actually I don't know if I'm gonna do a review. I might do a video review. We'll see. We'll see what I'm gonna do about that. But those that's what I've been playing basically, among other things. <laughs> so, all right. So, yeah. uh, what's yeah. been happening in the world of gaming this week? Yeah, a uh, couple things. Actually, let's start. We're going to start this week with uh, some smack talk. Um, yes! I, bl- I believe it was Don't last... Do that enough. Yeah. <laughs> I believe it was last... No, it wasn't last week. It was the week Two before weeks, yeah. last. When me, it was just me and Rob, and we were talking about the uh, the EA Activision, you know, 
Smack talk. Yeah, pretty, yeah, I guess you can call it that. <laughs> I just wanted to use that word, but yeah. That's... <laughs> I'm glad you did. <laughs> yeah, kerfuffle. Um, the, you know, they're spat back and forth. But now Sony is uh, talking a little smack to Microsoft, and this is regards their content policies. Um, recently, uh, I'm not sure if this is a new policy or if this was their policy to begin with, and they were like inform- they're enforcing. I think it now. it's their standing. I think it's their standing policy, but it's like probably the first time it's ever really been like talked about, like in the open. Yeah. Yeah. So That's they- what happened. So this is um, the policy when it comes to putting games on Xbox 360s. I'm going to read it uh, verbatim. Um, Titles for for Xbox 360 must ship at at least simultaneously with other video game platform and must have at least feature and content parity on disc with the other game platform versions in all regions where the title is available. If these uh, conditions are not met, Microsoft reserves the right to not allow the content to be released on Xbox 360. So basically what this means is that if your game, let's say, comes out early on PS3 or has exclusive content on PS3, or I don't know, that might even extend to Steam or Nintendo, Microsoft may not put your game out. <laughs> that basically, that's what they mean. Microsoft requires, and you know, Microsoft requires the, the title to at least, at the very minimum, ship at the other times or to be released at the other time as the other platform, and the, all content pretty much must be the same. Um, this kind of harkens back to me to the old Nintendo days, where because they were the market leader in sales. Uh, they felt that they could just kind of make developers do whatever the hell they wanted to, and they pretty much did. Um, I, I don't think Microsoft has that much power though, because there's the gap isn't as big between, and it's definitely been closing, as we'll talk about later in the show a little bit. I think between um, the PlayStation Three and Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty sales. Yeah. So I, I do kind of agree, even as as an Xbox guy, first and foremost i guess i do kind of agree with what dyer is saying they're like yeah there's kind of you're kind of hamstringing developers a little bit but by the same token uh i see where microsoft's coming from like why would they not want you know to get uh more stuff first on their system as opposed to ps3 and wii and steam you know so i don't he's trying to like demonize them because obviously he wants to say that that we're better i do agree with him it's kind of messed up but it makes sense like if you're if you're a platform manufacturer why would you not want exclusive content well we didn't even get into what dyer actually said about them like we only just just the content policy of microsoft you're Um, right i'm jumping ahead i apologize damn it (laughs) um yeah (laughs) what's that i think we'll live it'll be okay yeah so basically what dyer said was that the publishers are getting the the living crap kicked out of them by microsoft uh and i guess in in the extended quote you know, he says, uh, I think that what, you know, Chris and the other representatives of Microsoft are doing uh, is protecting an inferior technology. Uh, I think they want to dumb it down and keep it as pedestrian as possible so that if you want to do anything for Blu-ray or you have extra content above 9 gigs or you want to do anything of that nature, you'd better be sure as heck remember that Microsoft can't handle that. Oh, So that's, uh, you know, he makes a good point because, you know, one of the advantages of PS3 is the fact that, you know, you can have one disc instead of three. Um, example being L.A. Noir, You know. Uh, and, I don't know, people kind of uh, kind of poke fun at the fact that, you know, you got to swap discs in, in the Xbox. 
but I'd rather just swap discs than have to go through that long install process. That's just me personally. I actually agree with that. You know, just swapping can be a pain too, though. I think it was was it Mass Effect where you had the switch and then like switch back or like so there was something funky like that. Yeah, but at the same time, an RPG of some sort. <laughs> yeah, I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, I apologize to our listeners. Yeah, uh, I believe it was one of the one of Mass Effect two. I don't know. I mean, I see the issue. Like, you know, either way, like you're you're spending time. Like, but I guess I would rather spend time on the front end and like have it installed and not have to worry about it after that. Because and not even every and I think it's maybe overstated. Like, not every game has an install either. Like a lot of the bigger games, um, so it's not always an issue, but I mean, it's one of those minor things. Like, if the game is good enough, who cares whether or not you're switching a you know switching a disc or not? Um, sure. I think the point more is, I think that Dyer's overstating it a bit. You know, saying the publishers are getting the crap kicked out of them, but at the same time, like he does make a valid point. You know, I think like he's overstating it and like kind of kicking up some dust in people's eyes. You know, on the Microsoft side, just to just for the sake of doing it, um, because it's like you know, inferior technology is like eh. Really, like it, the only thing that it's that the only real difference is the Blu-ray, you know. So, yeah, Microsoft has certain like limitations, but I, I think that just the idea that like, oh, well, you can't you can't release it somewhere else first and then bring it over here. That's not gonna work out. You can't. Nah, I don't yeah. think so. Like that's and you're seeing Sony saying like, hey, look how cool we are. We would never do anything like that. Which, I mean, well, they're not doing it, so it's, well, <laughs> actually, it's kind of cool. But the, the thing is, I think the, the thing is, and I'm, we're going to move on after this, um, okay. with with what Microsoft is doing is that they're using their position in the industry to, like, you know, they're, they're moving their weight around, basically. They're, they're, yeah, you, can, you can go to as far as saying that they're abusing, possibly, their, their, their position in the industry, but they're just doing what whoever the market leader does. I mean, like if, if Sony was in that same position... They will probably do the same thing, because let's. I mean, Sony acts like you know they're they're kind of innocent here, but it's it hasn't been too long that they've been so open. You know what I'm saying? Like they always haven't been as open with indie devs or as open with exclusive content. You know, but they don't. They're not. They they aren't the market leader right now. So of course they're not doing it because they can't. But if they you know if they were the market leader, they probably would be doing it. Right. If you're the unquestioned, you know the unquestioned leader that's only so long before the power goes to your head. I mean, I think that it's, it's a bad move on Microsoft's part to, it, it kind of stifles competition in that respect. Like that, like you can't possibly have something else on this platform where it may make more sense to have it there, but obviously they've made exceptions. Portal 2 launched on Xbox 360. Like if the game is good enough, like I don't think it's going to matter too much, but it's still like one of those, like, It'd be nice if it was a little more open, but that's, this is going to happen, no matter who's up. It, it, exactly. Like, I mean, I, I, it's not totally unexpected. It just Microsoft is just kind of, I guess, trying to protect their their position, right. which is understandable. Not which saying that I necessarily agree with it. Doesn't, yeah. doesn't <laughs> everyone? Doesn't every single console owner want exclusive content and want games first? Exactly. So, like, if you only own an Xbox, like you're gonna be like, all right, way to go, Microsoft. Yeah, I mean, in if a you're way, multi-console it's like, like us, you're like, well, it's a little, little lame, but I can definitely understand why they're doing it. Yeah, so um, that kind of, I guess you can say, wraps and kind of wraps in with our next topic, which is, you know, the PS3 software growth. Um, you know, while Microsoft is this, the, the Microsoft's reaction 
or you know maybe pushing this policy forward could possibly be could possibly be a reaction to the fact that um PS3 software growth is uh is is pretty large in terms of you know their software sales versus Microsoft. Um, I'm not gonna say they're selling more than Microsoft per se, but in terms of uh, ratio and percentage, they're actually doing pretty good. Um, so you know, just the, I guess get the short version of the story is uh, for Destiny every P- cool. yeah, <laughs> for every PS for every PS3, actually for every 1.6 Xboxes, there's one PS3. We all know that Microsoft uh, moves more hardware than Sony does. But when you look at the ratio of sales like of games that are multi-platform, such as uh, Mortal Kombat, Medal of Honor, L.A. Noir, you know, stuff like that, versus their Xbox counterparts, the ratio is, uh, you know, not that different. Like, uh, for example, actually, I believe that Mortal Kombat actually outsold the 360 version. Like, Mortal Kombat on PS3 outsold... Uh, Mortal Kombat on the 360, and uh, games like uh, let's see, well, they have a, a Medal of Honor here, uh, 2010 of course, uh, it was 1.2 ratio, LA Noir 1.22, um, NBA 2K was 0.93, but those are actually pretty good ratios based on the fact that you know there's Microsoft almost to, there's at least one and a half Xboxes for every PS3 like technically if software lined up the same way hardware did you would see an equal ratio on the games and it's not yeah or in this case if if i mean if our actually if there was as many Xbox or PS3s out there as there was Xboxes you would probably see PS3 selling more units period true but i mean that's the thing like there are more there are more Xboxes out there so it's obvious that Microsoft, you know, Microsoft is going to, in terms of software, is going to sell more just because there's more units, uh, especially for games that they have exclusive uh, content deals with. You know, for like um, uh, Call of Duty, it almost slipped right. my mind for a second. You, we all know that they get Call of Duty content. You know, the thirty yeah, days in advance, packs a month, uh, yeah, month, yeah, 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 packs a month in advance, yeah, a month in advance. Uh, and that helps. Another thing that helps is the fact that of all the problems that the last two versions of Modern Warfare have had on the PS3. So that also uh, helps Microsoft in that regard. Yeah, and that's just a general perception. Whether whether it's accurate or not is pretty much irrelevant. There is a general perception that Xbox is the shooter platform. And he, the guy from Sony actually talks about that a little bit. That he, he thinks you know that's changing. And maybe it is some, but I think that that just influences like maybe not so much really hardcore gamers who look at it and uh, notice like well pretty much they have almost all the same shooters except for you know Gears and Halo over on Xbox and Killzone and Resistance and such over on PlayStation. But I think like the general like larger audience at large does still get that like well Microsoft is where you go for shooters as far as yeah. consoles. I I know you. Jared's getting ready to throw PC out there, which is yes, but uh, we're talking console. As far as consoles, yeah, Yeah. like it's got that, it's got that mindset, and I, and that's because Halo has always been such a strong force on 360, and you have Gears after that, you have Xbox Live, which makes you know Call of Duty kind of like stand out a little bit more in that respect. You know, like there's a reason it is considered the shooter platform, but it is you know. considering the hardware difference it is obvious that you know sony is catching up like their software has has stepped up like to the plate lately especially with like exclusives that are outside of the shooter category like say what you will about Killzone resistance 3 like they're not really my bag 
you know, but then again, neither are Halo and Gears of War. So, you know, like, I think that more people, you know, probably have an affinity for Halo and Gears of War in those games. Um, but, you know, like, but otherwise, like, outside of that category, like, I would say that Sony is, like, making great strides over Microsoft. I mean, a lot yeah. of stuff is on two platforms, but, like, there's a lot of other first-party stuff that's out there, like the Uncharted's and stuff of the world that have really pushed their software, like, out there. I think we've completely flipped on the term when it comes to exclusive software. The first half of this generation, like, there was no question. The Xbox had the exclusives, like, way beyond Sony. But now, honestly, I think it's going in the complete opposite direction. After Fable, Gears, and Halo, it's like, what what is on Xbox that's exclusive? Exactly. You just, you just mentioned all those ones on PS3. I like all of those games. I do think, I think Halo and Gears are better than both Resistance and Killzone, but I still really like both Resistance and Killzone also. Um, so there's definitely been some changing. But the other thing you mentioned, Rob, it was Xbox Live. Really, I think that's a bigger bigger deal than any of the actual games as to right. why people look at Microsoft as the shooter platform. Yeah, Is when that... you have the parties and servers, like it's it's just like a more unified experience than like not to say that like the experience on PS3, you know, is bad every time you load a shooter up, but it's going to be, it's going to vary by the publisher. You know, if they don't have enough server load to handle people, you know, depending on how they set up their, their lobbies and stuff, you know, they're, it, it's a lot of it's left up, you know, tossed up in the air to chance. So yeah, I think the, like, you know, Microsoft being the shooter platform is solely based on the fact uh, because of Xbox oh, Live and how well it works. You know, yeah. that's the thing, because the shooters, unfortunately, like, I, I would love to see more shooters that actually had a good single player, but unfortunately, like, most shooters focus on the multiplayer aspect at this point. Uh, so that's why, but in terms of, like, well, like Nick said, and we even discussed this on one of the podcasts that we did, but uh, Sony, actually, it was it was PS3 versus Xbox 360, yep. <laughs> I think about it, but Sony definitely has the better exclusives, and the, the thing, I think, is, like, Microsoft... They're kind of exhausting their exclusives now with Halo 4, Gears 3, you know, stuff like that. They need new exclusives, where Sony, they have, still have exclusives they haven't even touched yet in this generation, like Jack and Daxter. Not even a, a hint that they're going to release a Jack and Daxter game. Right. Yeah, they we're, just yeah, now got back to Sly the last Cooper. Guardian. Yeah. Yeah, like, they, 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 still have, they, they still have, you know, tons of, not tons, I say tons, but they have quite a few uh, exclusives they can use, um, and it, I would say if if the Xbox is the platform for shooters, then I would say the PS3 is the platform for action adventure platformers. Yep. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. Like, I mean, I would because me, you, I, I've talked about it several times. I don't play my PS3 nearly enough. Uh, hence why I have not beat, beaten Uncharted. But if they came out with a Jack and Daxter, I would move my PS3 to whatever room I sit in and you know, get up there <laughs> <laughs> and play it. You well, know? Shame on you for not completing Uncharted. Yeah, although I'm having, I, although I'm having... I am in the same boat as you, Jared, I don't play my PS3 nearly as much as my Xbox. But Uncharted right. comes out, move over Xbox, I'm playing Uncharted. Mm. Uh, it could be a little tricky this, this fall because... I'll be focusing on Uncharted, and then like a week later, I'm going to be playing the crap out of Skyrim. Right. So, but in general, yeah, my my PS3 doesn't get turned on for sometimes months at a time. Then I play it like really intently because they have such great exclusives. So wow. they've de- they've definitely made huge strides there. And Microsoft Microsoft has like moved away from it like almost on purpose. And like 
like rare doesn't even like do anything that's one of like the few oh god rare in-house like yeah they come rare. on <laughs> i don't think rare can do anything even if they wanted so. to anymore <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry it's sad to say but i just i just don't like a rare just tanked so fast like almost from the second they got over to 360 that i mean like banjo kazooie like that was like a good game from what i heard like you know, there's a lot of creativity and stuff going on there, but, like, that was, like, their only, like, little gym, and it was not nearly, that was not any kind of an impact on, you know, the the shape of the, the landscape and no. gaming or anything. Right. I really liked Cameo, but that's real, there's a lot of polarization over that game. Everybody seemed to either hate that or really like it. I really I liked like it. It was a good launch game. How about that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that. yeah. Like you said, Rob, it, it wasn't, like, like, before, during the N64 era, Rare came out with a game. That was an event. Rare releases were events. This was, oh, wow, how are they going to change the landscape of the platform or the first-person shooter on consoles, you know? And since then, it's just the Stamper Brothers. For those who don't know, those, those were the main creative force behind Rare were the, the Stamper Brothers who ran the studio. They left, um, like, right around, I forget how the timeline is exactly, right around when Microsoft took them, and Rare went completely down the toilet after that. Yeah, you just think that they would put some more time into cultivating some of their other, you know, even, like, new IPs. But the problem is that the industry is so hung up on being safe. Like, Sony takes a few more chances with their with IPs and, you know, new properties. So, like, I think that's why they're they're making strides in the software category. But, like, you know, I think 360 has to do a little something there. Well, I mean, that's kind of the, the thing. Like, when you're not on top, you have way more wiggle room. Like, you can do more experimental right. stuff. You know, if Microsoft were to start coming out with more experimental stuff, they, you know, logically that will put them in danger of losing their spot because it only takes one or two, you know, bad titles or changing changing something too much from the way people like, which you know, that's the cause of stagnation. So I understand why we don't see more of that stuff on the 360. Right. But like Sony, you know, if it's the same as the last topic we just talked about, if Sony was on top, they'd be doing the same thing. But it makes me wonder, like, what what is rare, what is rare? God, I guess I'm talking about rare. What is Microsoft like leveraging when like the next round of consoles come out? You know, like like what is it going to be? Like, oh, you got to get this because of these exclusives. Oh, they're going to early going. It has there have to be exclusives. They're going to tout Xbox Live <laughs> until, yeah. until like until they can unless until they, somebody has like a, until it has a style competitor. Yeah, yeah. Until like if they, the PS4 comes out, like look, we learned our lesson, and here's this awesome multiplayer network infrastructure that we have. Then Microsoft would have to do something else. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if they took Plus and turned it into Xbox Live, and like still gave you everything you have a Plus now, like. Microsoft had to find something new quick. You'll see both of them changing a lot by the, in both those areas by the time the next consoles come out. And that'll definitely be a lot of like what they're pushing is the value of why you need to buy our systems. Yeah. But anyway, the point is we've, we're all in agreement. Uh, there's been a shift and Sony is what you look for when you're talking exclusives now. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and while I guess Sony I guess at least has that aspect to be happy about, um, another one of their competitors isn't doing so great. It's it's the big N. Um, oh, those guys. Yeah, Nintendo. Uh, their reports. Actually, this is not confirmed, of course, but um, lots of reports from several sources that the Wii U uh, is it, development wise, it's in trouble. 
Um, we all know that Nintendo's been having issues, I shouldn't say issues, but, you know, in terms of their stocks and their company in general, uh, you know, the stocks are going down, 3DS sales aren't up, well, they're better now since they did the price drop, but, um, and also there is little to no excitement about the Wii U from the consumers. Developers appear to like it, but the consumer side of things isn't so great. Um, according to reports, though, that the, you know, Nintendo is now rushing to get the, the console, you know, the console pushed out. And, um, in, in, I guess, because it's being rushed, uh, it's say the features are inadequate, like things like streaming and wireless functions, uh, as well as a cheap chipset aren't really working properly in in the system itself. And this, of course, will be to the developers, the dev kits. But uh, when they said wireless functions, I originally thought they were talking about, you know, wireless internet. Like, oh, the wireless radio gives poor receptions. No, like, yeah. they mean stuff like the wireless controller isn't working that well. Well, it's not like they, you know, are leveraging that as a major feature of the system or anything. Eh, I love your oh, well, sarcasm, wait. Nick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, like, that's a major problem. Wireless radio, fixable. Problem with the wireless controller, big freaking problem. Especially you know since that's supposed to be it. Like, that is the reason to get a Wii U. If, like, you have one, like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. And, and if you can't even develop with the controller working correctly, big problem. Yeah, and it's not just the, I guess, the controller's functions, like, you know, pressing buttons and having them register properly. The streaming is a problem, too, which is another huge feature. Like, they're big features on the Wii U. According to reports, like I said, it's not confirmed, but, you know, Nintendo's not going to come out and be hey, we're having problems. <laughs> you know, but, um, yeah, according to reports, like, this is this is an issue. This is, I like, totally believe that, they ha- that they're having issues, Jared. I-, I absolutely believe this, but you know what the thing is? I wouldn't read too much into it, to be honest. What major console did you not hear was having major issues when it was a year away from being released? Pretty much everyone. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm I trying to think, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I got. I got to stop you there. I a year out. No, I really like. You don't. You you hear like minor things. You hear you know like oh we're still learning how to code. You know work with the system stuff like that. But you don't hear that like the hardware itself just doesn't really function the way it's supposed to. Like it, when they're developing for say like developers had an issue with PS3. But, like, it was never that, like, the PS3 just doesn't fucking work. It was the PS3 is hard to code for. You know? Yeah, but like, it was basically Pages' development hell when the PS3 before it came out. I just, was, I really got to disagree. I, not that, that close I, I, I think <laughs> I think development hell for the PS3 was more about the hoops they had to jump through to get the games w- w- working with, with that specific dev kit. Not that it wasn't working. Like, for example, they're saying here that the controller, you know, the developers have resulted, not resulted, but I'm sorry, um, resolved to using tethered controllers, and that's not even working properly. Yeah, but even the Wii itself, even looking at Nintendo, okay, let's forget about Sony, even looking back at Nintendo, the original Wii development kit was a GameCube with wired Wii controllers because they couldn't get it to work. And that worked out pretty well in the end. Same yeah, with but the Wii oh, was but the Wii was another rushed like that was another rushed development though, like for the console itself. Like it was another you know, another example of that. But like it's 
like if you're going to talk about that that as an example like that's a nintendo again like and you see how you know yeah there were some good titles on the wii yeah it worked out for them but like the wii u doesn't have the same like it doesn't have the same advantage of having something like completely new you know like the while the tablet is nice like while it's a good idea like it's not going to sell the system on its own you know without something to back it up this time you I know, will actually agree with you on that, Rob. Like, not, I think that that's why that, the Wii. Like, yeah, I think that's why the Wii worked. Like, despite the fact that they had like a rush development, you know, GameCube had a rush development too, and had you know its own set of issues. But I just, I, I like there's you don't hear that level of problems with you know a especially a year out from release with a console that often, un- unless it's Nintendo. Now, I'm not saying that that, you know, this this saying that it's development hell, I don't think that's going to, you know, mean that, like, it's going to just, it's going to be completely flop or any of that stuff, you know, when it comes out the door. But it does, it's troubling, you know, like, you can't even implement, like, the streaming feature to, like, throw stuff from your, you know, your controller to the TV and, you know, you have other controllers that don't even work. Like, considering, like, that's what it has going for it. Like you, you need to be able to like leverage that controller for all the stuff that you're doing. Otherwise, you're they've just got a lot making the same old games. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I will say they've they've got a lot to prove. By yeah. the time and th- they did say actually we're saying a year and I said that, you know, if you guys remember Reggie said it, it'll be sometime after April and then there's a lot of rumors about June and stuff. This thing is not coming out in June. Okay, there's there's no chance. I I don't see this I thing coming they, out before. I the mean, fall. I think it's next holiday, but like I just think that they may be like. It, it, to me, it just seems like they they're rushing it to get it out ahead of everything else, which is what they're doing. But it's just it just seems like it's kind of a bad move at this point. But yeah, mm-hmm. you know. yeah. But the Xbox was rushed and had a lot of problems as a result of it, and it ultimately worked out. I'm not saying it will. With well, them, no. I don't know, and they have a lot to prove. <laughs> I would say it worked out in spite of itself. But yeah, that's well, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm not saying that was good. You know, it was bad, but it it clearly worked out for Microsoft. Yeah, but I mean, and this is the last time I'm saying I move on. <laughs> the the thing about the Xbox was that it it came if it, okay. I'll put it like this: if the Xbox and PS3 came out at the same time, I don't think the Xbox would have bounced back the way it did. Um, with the Wii, like the Wii U, the problem that they're gonna have is that looming over its shoulders, we know they're coming out with new versions of the 360, of the new Xbox and the PS3 or PS4. But they won't be here next year. They won't be here next year, but I think they'll be here soon enough. And And are people, you know, depending on the price, the same head start that Xbox had. Yeah, but but depending on the price and what they're actually seeing from the console, like, a lot of people may not be willing to take that dive after they just took a dive on a 360 or PS3 last year. Yeah, and the the thing about the 360, it was groundbreaking. The 360 was the console that brought consoles to PC power. You know what I'm saying? The Wii U, not so groundbreaking. Even the Wii was groundbreaking. But the Wii U, not so groundbreaking. Well, with that, I'll agree. I will yeah. agree with that. You like know, I said, Nintendo has a lot to prove. There's no question there. They've yes. got a lot to prove. And I'm a little concerned that this, that its visuals even are like, well, it's better than what we have now, but it's really not like, oh, my God, look how much better it is. And then a year later, you get the Xbox and PS3 or, you know, whatever, PS4, whatever. Right. Which I'm shocked if we won't see something on it this E3 and see how much better it's already looking than the Wii U. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, just news of an Xbox 720 or PS4 will hamper 
Wii U sales. Right. So, but they have um, they have some time. So we'll see what they do and how they handle the situation and how they fix it and hope for the best. But uh, moving on, let's talk a little Halo. Halo Four, exactly. And Microsoft's uh, not free of their own troubles. Yes. They just got problems. So the Halo Four creative director, he quit. He, he uh, basically here was his statement. Uh, I think it's I think time is the most valuable thing we have, uh, and I've decided that I'm not going to waste one more day working on something that doesn't speak to my values. So obviously he was having creative differences with the rest of the team at 343. That's who's developing Halo at this point, correct? Yep. Um, you know, he also says that the Halo he wanted to build was fundamentally different, and he didn't think he had built enough credibility for such a crazy crazy endeavor. Um, at first I'm kind of like, oh, he has creative differences, you know, maybe he want, my, my first thought was like, he was trying to improve it and they don't want to move, you know, the Halo formula they have now. But then I thought about it for a second. I'm like, well, what if he, he said he wanted to do something fundamentally different. I'm like, well, what if it, what if his ideas just sucked? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that is, that is totally, that is yeah, totally terrible. viable. <laughs> yeah, it's totally viable. Like, no, he's not going to shoot bullets. He's going to shoot fairies. You know? <laughs> like, you know, you don't know, like, what, what the deal is. So I, I can't really say anything good or bad about this. I'm actually kind of neutral. One, because I'm not a huge Halo fan. I don't think this guy, um, it, well, he didn't, he wasn't involved in the previous three Halos. No, he just came so. over from Konami. To 343. Uh, I mean, he probably uh, back in like 2008 or nine or somewhere around there. Yeah. So he probably did play some minor like background role in Halo um, um, Reach, but it's hardly you know like he was at the forefront of it. Right. And I wrote about this for for our site, and like I said in my article, like I, I mean, we really don't know shit about Halo Four other than hey, Master Chief is back, and we're starting a new trilogy, and it plays like Halo. So when the game ultimately comes out, like you're not gonna notice one way or the other. Like, oh man, did you see what happened now that Ryan Payton's out of there? Oh my god, I can't believe that. Like, no, like you're not even gonna know because you really don't know what he was doing beforehand. So and he can't talk about it because of his you know non-disclosure agreement. So you right. won't ever find out until the game even comes out, probably. So yeah. one way or the other, it's like I, I kind of I'm kind of neutral too. Like it 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 points to trouble. But you don't know what his ideas were, and you can't, and we won't find out. So yeah. it's I, just I kind of like one of those things where it's like, well, <laughs> yeah. And then I this mean, guy has a history of extreme depression and had some personal issues that made him leave Konami and come over. He was working with Konami Japan, had some sort of issue. He had to come over to the States. his his mom got cancer. Oh, okay. He couldn't stay in Japan, I, so he so he left. I, like okay. I mean, like I, I mean, he, he, I did not know that. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not your fault. <laughs> I just, I, I, no, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm apologizing to our match cast. <laughs> I'm painting this, the guy has some strange personal issues. I didn't know that, so. so yeah. yeah, I mean, like, the, I guess, like, he was diagnosed with clinical depression, but at the same time, like, this doesn't mean he's not a good creative director. But, like, I don't know his body of work either, though. Like, I don't know the other stuff that he's particularly worked on to say, like, oh, well, yeah, that had such a great narrative. Like, he, he probably had some good ideas. Like, I just don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, I, he's just kind of, like, you know, in the woodwork at Konami, and I don't really know specifically what he had worked on. So it's it's just one of those things where it's it's really kind of, it is neutral. Like, until we know what his ideas were, which we won't until the game even comes out. Right. Irrelevant. 
more or less. See, my thing about like Halo is that, or just big AAA titles in general, and not one, not new ones, not new IPs, but IPs that are kind of like you know settled. I mean, we've had right. Halo yeah. since like you know what two thousand two thousand one yeah. So like trying to fundamentally change Halo at this point. I really don't think that's a good, great idea. Like, you know, when you, somebody buys Halo, they know... They, there's Halo, they're Halo fans for a reason. They know what they want, and that's what they expect from their Halo game. I think, I think part of me, like, I'm, I'm neutral, but I do worry that, like, they're just like, no, 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 we're not... No, we're just sticking... Like, you stick to the formula, but there is a point where you stick to the formula too much. If this is supposed this to be a true. new trilogy, it is time for some new ideas, you know? But... Uh, we don't know. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. Don't get me wrong. Like, when we talk about, you know, not doing the same thing over and over again, you know, all the time introducing new ideas into IPs, but he said it was fundamentally different. Not, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, that. Yeah, maybe he did have just crazy, wild ideas yeah, that not make any sense at all. So like, I not, want Chief, but... I want Chief riding down onto the planet with a flaming unicorn. That's what I want to do. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> You never I, I do agree with you guys, though, that I actually I think most of the Halo community probably does it. But as a big Halo fan, I do agree. I, I want to see some different things now. Like, OK. Yeah, you don't want that stuff like, for like, a gameplay change. You don't want to like have Cortana be like, you know, some crazy GLaDOS AI or something. You don't want like you don't want something that's like just like where would that come from? But yeah, you got to rein it back in at some point. Yeah, but he's not. But he's just, you know, he's not. He's a narrative guy, not you know, gameplay, so it's like, who knows what he wanted to do that, you know, caused it to just be such a split, so, eh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, well, we may never know what he was going to do, but, uh, you know, hope, hopefully for the best, you know, Halo will still turn oh, out okay. Mention, though, he, he did, uh, he has his own new studio that he's working on, Camouflage, so maybe we will see. Yeah, and Someday. then maybe we're like, oh, that would have been awesome in Halo, <laughs> you know. Yeah, who knows. So, yeah, but um, moving on to our next topic, uh, Ninja Theory, uh, well, I should say uh, Tamim, how do you say that last name? Antoniades? That's, I guess that's how you say that? Antoniades. Antoniades. See, yeah, that's why Rob is on the podcast. <laughs> I don't know so, last names, though. Tamim Antoniades. It sounds nice. We're going with it. Yeah, we're going to go with it. But he's the Ninja Theory creative chief. And uh, he believes that the AAA retail model is stifling the game industry. And I agree to a degree that he's right, that AAA titles, or I say the development of AAA titles, um, and mixed with the retail, the big box retail, uh, I guess, uh, business model that is going on right now, is stifling innovation because what happens is like you have so much money that goes into that that's not development. Like you have tons of marketing, packaging, uh, shipping. It's really expensive for both, well, for developers and publishers to get a AAA title into a retail store. So what happens? They stay safe. They go with, you know, current archetypes that, you know, they, they think will work or they know that people like. That way they can pretty much guarantee that they will, you know, make their money back, which is sound i would say i can't disagree with that logic but at the same time it does stifle innovation like they're not no you're not really going to find anything ex- you know extremely new in a new ip you know what i'm saying at this point well, besides maybe some technology 
you know? Right, graphical upgrades and stuff like that, but nothing that's fundamentally fundamentally different. (laughs) Nothing fundamentally different. Um, You know, maybe some tweaks to gameplay, but they're not going to change it too much. Uh, Now, when he was talking, you know, he's, I guess, you know, boosting up the digital model. He says he he thinks that's going to change things. That's going to, you know, allow for more innovation. Um, But he points more toward, uh, you know, like Facebook, mobile games, stuff like that, which a lot of developers are flocking to. I'm like, (laughs) no! Digital distribution! (laughs) Please! (laughs) You know? Um, Or even, even cloud gaming. You know, which I, we're actually going to talk about that a little more later. But even cloud gaming, you know, would be I, I would I would I would rely on more because when you talk about Facebook games, like you're only going to get so much game out of that. You know, it's 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 going to be something that you probably sit and play for fifteen twenty minutes, uh, maybe a little longer, but you're not going to have deep engrossing experiences like you do with a AAA title. And Some even people a... think they are, but that's just because they don't know any better. Yeah, or I shouldn't <laughs> say played real games. I shouldn't necessarily say you get those experiences just with AAA titles. Like there are tons of non-AAA indie games that give you those deep experiences. Yeah. Indie games and you know smaller chunks of games on PSN and Xbox Live Arcade, but you know it. It's not just a you know AAA, but you're not just talking Facebook games where you have to bug your friends to get something, you know, yeah, stuff like exactly. that, because everybody tends to follow that Zynga model, too. Yeah, know? that's the thing, like, you're not talking um, just the Facebook platform or the mobile platform. Um, I'm a big advocate for digital distribution. Uh, one, because I'm lazy, so I love sitting home and just getting games. But, you know, two, because it does take, you know, reta- it does take out some middlemen. It takes out the retail you know, middleman. It takes out somebody trying to sell you something you don't want, give you a card, make you reserve something, yeah. get a warranty. You don't need to have a warranty anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you, <laughs> you can you can get what you want. You can still pre-order stuff now. Like, there's ways to pre-order digital games. You know, they have the PSN Play and Origin and Steam and everybody else has got, you know, pre-orders for, for digital games now. And... You know, you can still do all the stuff that you did before, but without leaving the comfort of your house and dealing with people. <laughs> yes. And, and, and another thing is that another thing is that it really, um, you know, it, it does cut down the cost of overall production of the game. And I know that those costs, especially when you're talking about Ubisoft, EA, Activision, those costs will never. Ever or those savings, I say, will never ever trickle down to the consumer. I can tell you that much. No, the idea was that they do, and that's why everybody advocates digital so yeah. much. Yeah, the I, way that the industry works. Those those savings will never trickle down. However, they may take those savings and pump them into development, so you have more development time, better fleshed out development, less bugs upon release. And you know what? I'll take that. I'm already accustomed to paying sixty dollars for a game. At this point, am I going to stop buying games? Because they, oh my, oh, you can save us money and you're not. No, that's not going to happen. I'm still going to buy the game for sixty bucks. But please, just take the money and put it back into the game. All right, cool do something, that, do something don't... worthwhile with it. Because I mean, at this point, technically, you know, considering inflation, sixty dollars is actually less than we used to play for games. I mean, like anybody else, remember when N64 games came out at seventy dollars? I do. <laughs> so, I mean, technically, we're playing less anyway, and we are accustomed to it. So. Uh, 
I would hate to pay sixty dollars for a digital game, but I know that that is the way that things are gonna the way things yeah. are gonna go. You I mean, know, you'll see different price points come down and did in sales and stuff that they can do now, but you're still gonna see the majority of games come out fifty or sixty dollars. Hey, you already you already seen it, Medal of Honor. Call, well, actually, no, I think Medal of Honor came out at fifty, but like, uh, sorry, Call of Duty is sixty, Battlefield sixty. You know, like a bunch of these games are already that our digital distribution are still you know sixty bucks. I'm just like, no, oh, okay, just put the yeah, money back on the dev. That's a development. That's all I ask. Right. Don't don't try to hoodwink us either. This is a lot of yeah. You know, we're gonna get into that in a few moments. A, a lot of people trying to make us think like, look how much money you guys are gonna save. I'm like, I haven't saved any money yet. Why is that not happening? <laughs> like, you guys yeah. maybe are getting bigger bonuses because I, I'm I'm not saving any money here. Yeah, be honest. Because <laughs> 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 that's that's the worst. Like, oh yeah, yeah you're gonna save money, then you don't. It's like, what the hell? If you just say like, well, we're gonna reinvest this in development, like Jared said. Okay, cool. Your game comes out with less bugs. Nice. I'm fine with that. Yeah, we would appreciate yeah, take that. Take any of those proceeds and just get a QA department for <laughs> games so that we can stop having day one patches like the 40 bug patch for Dead Island or yeah. Fallout 3 <laughs> or New Vegas so we can not have any of that crap. You know what? That's what you do. You put that money into a QA team for for just a big-ass QA department for those publishers, those big publishers... Good. We're good. I'm golden. We'll yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so I, I like I said, I totally I do agree that um you know, the AAA model, the current one, is crushing innovation, but the answer for innovation, it definitely is not Facebook. It is not mobile games. It definitely is not. There's, no. you know, there are there are things that can be done there, but I don't that's not like what saves console gaming. You know, that's not where you get a good difference in. Um, I, like one last thing, though, and I'll say the same thing I said on you know on on the site about this uh, in the comments. But it's funny that it's Ninja Theory's guy that's saying you know what he's saying about you know crushing innovation. Considering that, like, I, I think this stems a lot from DMC. Like they you know since they got tapped for the Devil May Cry reboot. And, like, the fact that that has gotten a terrible reception. Like, and so I think that now it's like, oh, I'm going to cry foul because, like, they don't like our game now. You know, even though we picked up, like, a well-known property, we had the, you know, Enslaved didn't do that well, even though it was critically acclaimed. And now we got DMC, which, you know, people did like, and now we screwed it up so much that everybody hates it, so we're probably not going to do very well. Yeah, actually, you have a <laughs> very... A bitterness there. <laughs> yeah. Love the comment, Rob, by the yeah. way. Go, go to the site right now and look at that. Under uh, Jess's Ninja Theory thing, look at what Rob said. It's hilarious. Yeah, I, I'll put it into the show notes. Actually, it is gonna be in show notes, but um, yeah, actually, you're, you're kind of right. But that's, that kind of goes back to what I said about Halo. You can't take a well-established IP and then start changing stuff around to be innovative. That's not the place where you go innovative with a with a with a currently established IP. You know, yeah, make a new IP. If they would have take if they would took 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 that game that they are making Devil May Cry right now and named it something else. I think everybody would be cool. It would still be fun. Yeah, it would be cool. like it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, so Ninja Theory might be a bit salty, but they still make a good point. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, let's move on to our next topic, uh, which is Big Point. And if you don't know who Big Point is, they make uh, 
you know those like those ads that you see sometimes, like play this free to play game on like multiple websites. Star Galactica. Yeah, they make that stuff. You know, they make like for, yeah, they do make Battlestar Galactica online and a, a couple of other browser based um, free to play games. So big point is saying that EA doesn't understand monetizing content. Caught my eye immediately when I opened it up to, to check to check it out, and I'm like, oh, okay, I want he's gonna I guess he's gonna bring up some really good points about what they're about what they're doing wrong, um, and basically uh, I, I'm gonna go about how how I feel about it, but like he didn't bring up good points, and, <laughs> in my opinion, he says uh, when when he's, he he starts off talking about the uh, the Battlefield Three pre-order bonus. And the fact that it has exclusive weapons, but EA insisted the pre-order bonus uh, will not give players a special advantage. Here's his quote: "It wouldn't ruin the game if selling advantage ruins the game. You have done the balance. You haven't done the balancing right. EA and Ubisoft, for example, they're both trying, but they're not really there yet. Um, he also he says that uh, it's a delicate balance, though, and that's why I love my game developers. All of them have understood how to do this." And if uh, if you have a sophisticated approach to free-to-play games, in the end, you can monetize everything. Okay, so he's comparing... And this is my part that I'm, I'm going to talk about now. <laughs> but um, he's comparing, you know, his free-to-play browser-based game, okay, Battlestar Galactica, or in general, their, their model, which is for games like that, to huge AAA titles like Battlefield... Three, which is not a free-to-play game. People are going to pay sixty bucks for that game. Okay. Um, he also mentions Team Fortress Two, uh, which um, let me read that quote too before I continue. He says there are millions, hundreds of millions of people willing to invest, even though they aren't obliged to. The crucial part of the design is not having to invest, but wanting to. Most people in Big Point Universe don't ever pay, uh, but if they want to pay, don't just offer hats. Offer them something that will help them. Okay, um, here's here's the deal. He's talking about first of all, he's talking about titles that weren't free to play. Well, Team Fortress free to play now, of course, but it wasn't free to play before to begin with. For years, for years, it wasn't <laughs> years. based on that model. Well, a little bit of time, you know, yeah, couple couple days at least. Battlefield Three, not free to play at all. And when he mentions Ubisoft, I'm, I think he's uh, talking about, because uh, he didn't mention any specific games for Ubisoft, but he's probably talking like DLC stuff that they offer with their games. Um, first of all, he, when he says that if, if selling advantage ruins the game, you haven't done the balancing right. Th- is that... It's not an advantage anymore. I just want to point that out. Exactly. Like... I mean, maybe that's just semantics, <laughs> but that's, that's literally defying the point of saying that it's an advantage. Yeah, exactly. Like he doesn't understand game balance. If, if that's what that's what I take away from that statement. Like how can if you sell if the if the gun is an advantage and not everybody has access to the gun, how is that balanced? Right. It's... You know what I'm saying? He doesn't truly understand game balance. I mean, when you ha- when your model is set up for okay, everybody at the base gets this stuff and now you can pay for this stuff, that's that's not balancing the game per se, because people who have the money to pay, or like you know, some people may have the money to pay but don't want to pay, but now they're forced to pay just to catch up with everybody else. That's not balance. And the second thing that 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 makes me realize is that he doesn't understand gaming communities. 
because first of all, you know, Battlefield huge, 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 hugely based on community. Okay, Team Fortress huge community. If Battlefield, if if EA were to say, okay, here are these pre-order bonuses. And now, like, if, if you don't get these pre-order bonuses, you won't have these weapons, you'll never have the chance to get them. And on top of that, they have these advantages. If they were to say that the community would go livid, and they would actually lose sales from people being so pissed about it. Because all Call of Duty, or all Activision would have to say at that point is like, we don't offer weapons for pre-order. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We don't offer weapons for DLC. Yeah. And that would be enough to have people go play Call of Duty and not Battlefield. It really is, and I don't like. I'm not trying. And I know that big point in their world, or in the, in the with that business model they have, they do very well. I mean, um, Battlestar Galactica Online has 220 million registered users, so they're not like a small guy in any case. They're not a small guy, but I do want to point out that saying that you have that many registered users is useless. How many that, active users do you have? That and is kind of true, and not that the number of users even matters in context of the quote and stuff. You know, he either makes a point or he doesn't, but like. The fact that it, like, I think it's like, oh, we're going to try and make this seem bigger than it is. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How many people play the that. game? You know, how many sure people still play it? a lot of inactives. Yeah. But even with that many, let's say, let's say every one of those registered users actually played. Okay. And, like, you're right, Rob is absolutely right. In a free-to-play game, 20, 200, uh, sorry, 220 million registered users really doesn't say nothing in a free-to-play game. But, you, you know, you can't, you know, you're big over there. But you know, you may be big in Japan, but you're not big in the U.S. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like it's 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 that type of deal. Like you're in that region or in that specific section, you you're like yeah, you're a big dog, but you can't come over to the triple A's and say you're not doing it right because it doesn't right. work like that. Especially when you're talking about a non-free to play game. A lot of this, his whole thing, just kind of sounds like he wants people to pay attention to him and his game. Am I crazy? No, you because I kind of feel like that's a lot of just like. You know, forget all those big guys. Look at us. Yeah. Yeah. One thing he says that, yeah, like I agree. One thing he says that kind of just puts it in perspective. (laughs) Like, even I guess he realizes it, but yet still goes on to talk about it. I've never shipped a retail product in my entire life. We don't need, we don't know how to do that, so we think differently. That's a big advantage in this new world. But they are shipping retail products. You know, they, they're going digital too. But they are shipping. Like right there, you've already placed yourself like in in a split in a split world. You know, it'd be one. And and he's talking about a pre-order bonus. He's not talking about something that they're you know selling as DLC. You know, or like saying like this is like these are the types of things that we sell for DLC. He he's talking about a pre-order bonus. You know, something that gets people in the stores to pre-order a game. It's you know, and he's not even even talking about you know the fact that I mean I guess he's talking about the fact that whether or not it's balanced, which as a pre-order bonus, yeah, there should be some balance involved with it. But otherwise, you know, like why would you offer weapons? Why would you offer you know? Otherwise, then you're just doing palette swaps and you know making things look different. Like it's no different than playing dress up, really. If you were just to give them different weapons and go, well, it doesn't do anything different. <laughs> you know, it's it's just as balanced as this other weapon that's already in the game, so you don't really need to buy it anyway. Like nobody would care, you know. Right. Like, but you're talking about two different, you know, universes, and nothing he really says has any bearing on theirs. You know, it's just it's just two different worlds. It'd be one thing if he said, you know, you know the the way that they the, you know they price map packs or the the time frame in which they put out DLC, you know, that's kind of an issue, or the way that they monetize the stuff that they do put out. But he never he doesn't talk about it. 
Yeah. Like, you're, you don't, you don't make any point. And you've already said that you're in a different, in a different sphere than them. So I don't, it just doesn't matter what he says. <laughs> and another thing that I picked up, another thing that I picked up reading, you know, from the part where he says, you know, talking about TF2, he says, you know, don't just offer hats if they want to pay for something. That's um, a deep- that's a purposeful dig too. Yeah, but yeah. You, but you know what the thing is? Like, first of all, I can I know as a fact that he's never been in the Manco store. This is the, that's the first thing because if you go to the Manco store, while yes, there are there are hats that do nothing, there are more hats that do something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That give you some positive and some negative. That's the thing. Like, if you want to talk about balance, you want to talk about balance. Team Fortress Two is extremely balanced. Okay, I mean. Each weapon, hat, item you can buy has specific advantages and different disadvantages. And, like, these disadvantages aren't small things. You know, for for example, um, I I was able to actually win this. Like, I was able to, like, uh, build it with the supplies I had from, you know, from my client. I've never bought anything. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't bought anything from the Manco store either. I just want to clarify that. But (laughs) this item is in the Manco store if you want to buy it. Um... I got a sniper rifle, right? Uh, the advantage of the sniper rifle is that per headshot you get, it recharges faster, which is great. It means I can I can you know get my full charge or full strength back up even faster. The disadvantage is when you start like you're at a twenty percent, it 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 um charges twenty percent slower. So first off, you have to get like a headshot or two just to get back to normal. Okay. Second thing is. If you uh, only headshots count, so if you get the headshot, it increases the speed. If you get a body shot, it doesn't do anything. It, but the, well, I should say it doesn't do anything. It doesn't increase it. It actually will decrease it a little bit. If you miss totally, you're back to zero. You know that's balance right there. That is, and that is that is a big balance uh, that they did right there. Because a lot, of, and that's hard to do. Not every developer knows how to balance properly, especially when it comes to giving you options for weapons, and especially weapons that you would want to buy. You know, basically the balance that Team Fortress Two has with the man with the Manco store is the fact that it allows players, based on how they play, to customize your character, to customize your your arsenal. Yeah. Like, like for example, like. I like I love that gun because I get lots of headshots. If you're somebody who plays a sniper and is more, you get more body shots per se than headshots. You may not like that gun. But yeah, there's there's heavies that run around with you know boxing gloves rather than use an actual weapon because of certain like effects on on the on the on the on the melee weapons and stuff. You know, like everybody's got like a different view of like how to do things you know as a medic you can instead of having a, a backup you know weapon you can have something that affects your uber charge and stuff like that you know it's all based on how you play and like that kind of a balance is actually pretty much unprecedented especially for as many items as there are in the game and as many as they keep releasing and as much stuff as there is in the man store and that you can build you know like don't talk about balance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like just that that statement like it makes me question the rest of his of his statements. Like I I, I understand like don't get me wrong. I think he I, he does know what he's talking about in terms of monetizing because obviously that's his job. He's not poor and he's not jobless. So apparently they're doing something right. But I don't know if he like he might just be speaking off the hip without really even looking into what you know these instances are. Like I know he hasn't been in the Manco store. He's never bought a Manco item. 
you know, like he probably doesn't. Even, he, I probably doesn't even play Team Fortress too. He's just going from the the I guess the stereotype or you know the cliche that he hears about TF2. You know, more hats. You know, he's probably seen that picture of like, who, you know, you you just see a picture of somebody photoshopped a bunch of hats on top of each other for Team Fortress. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. The, the motivator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, like, yeah, he's he's you know he's going based off of that cliche, but people who actually play the game can tell you like it's much it's much more than that. Yeah, people like the hats, but that's because they like the game. You know, it's just funny. Like, if you're going to spend that much time playing the game, you know, it's the yeah. same thing as the customization in your play style. Some people just like buying all the freaking hats. Exactly. What, no where way. else could you get a sniper running around with an alligator as a hat? You know, like, <laughs> there's some things that are just funny and people enjoy it. But, like, if you enjoy the game enough, you'll do it. Do yeah. Newell. Genius. Yeah. And yeah. hey, you want to talk about monetizing <laughs> content, how about making it so that people want to buy entire games just to get your items in Team Fortress? Right. You know, like, I know people who'd never played Sam and Max bought Sam and Max for the bunny ears. Like, I... Originally, I was planning on waiting for Deus Ex, like, wait for, like, a Steam sale to pick up Deus Ex. I wound up pre-ordering it because I wanted the TF2 items. You know? That's, that's, that's monetizing content right there. Content that you're going to sell anyway. So, maybe he should read up on that a little bit before he starts talking again. Yeah, that's a nice approach to it. Yeah, so, but, um, yeah, big point. Um, I was really hoping, like, he, I was really hoping the article and I opened it up, like, okay, he's going to list some points of, like, what they're missing. But he, he himself, uh, which his name is Philip uh, Reisberger, by the way, uh, he missed the mark in this one, I, I believe. Um, but, uh, moving on to our next point. Is a, this, this is a bit of good news, I would say, uh, and it's from Criterion. Uh, the, and Criterion, for those who know, they created Need for Speed Hot Pursuit, the newest one. Uh, they were able to save $700,000 by fighting Crunch. And what that means, well, what Crunch is, is, you know, well, we talked about it with L.A. Noir. When, yeah, I was going to yeah. say, see also Anytime L.A. Noir. Talk, <laughs> yeah. talk about a publisher or, you know, talk about unhappy, you know, devs at a publisher and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Team Bondi. <laughs> Team Bondi, yeah. So we talked about it when it came to L.A. Noir. Um, they, uh, you know, pretty much work in 80-hour weeks. You know, it's really, you know, crunch, crunch time. You know, it's working a lot to get stuff done quickly. Uh, and, you know, people hate it, obviously. You know, not only is it bad for the devs, it puts them in bad moods. Uh, you know, cause Team Bondi to pretty much close up because of all the crunch they did. But I think you can also see it in games itself. Like, you know, when you get to the end of a game and it's like, you know, the game is great throughout the game and you get to the ending and it feels kind of rushed. You know, or... You, yeah, all I've the, definitely seen that in games Or the before. bugs, or the, or the bugs that you see. You know, in games that, you know, probably would have been picked up if people had more time to, like, flesh it out. So, you know, I, well, I guess one of the biggest questions around the industry was, well, what can we do about crunch? And I guess the biggest response or the most common response is better scheduling. Um, what Criterion did is they actually invested in an infrastructure uh, itself. Their infrastructure, like their servers and items like that, they invested in an infrastructure to fight crunch like basically um uh they have build servers with auto testing tools uh and they said that these tools that they built and obviously they're not going to get too deep into it i'm assuming it's proprietary for them um but you know the they have these build servers with auto testing tools and it dramatically improved the production efficiency 
and therefore, you know, it it uh, not limited, but uh, lightened the workload of a lot of their or well, of their de developers in general. And so, you know, what they did was uh, to give I guess a short description is that you know the build servers they build at all times. Like instead of having to compile the code and here's the build, and then make this change, compile the code, here's the build, which takes time apparently. Um, these servers they they just continue to build all the time. And also with the auto testing tools, when something that was wrong, when something was found that was wrong, uh, it automatically emailed, you know, who needed to be emailed to fix that issue, and they could fix it live, and it just works in with the build. You know, to make a long story short, but um, I guess the moral of the story is like I don't want to get too deep into the, like the technical details because for a lot of you, it won't even make a difference. <laughs> but the thing is, like you know, they saved seven hundred thousand dollars. That's uh, enormous. Yeah, exactly. They save seven hundred thousand dollars on the I don't care who you are. I don't, I don't care if you're Activision Blizzard. Seven hundred thousand dollars not a drop in the bucket for anybody. Yeah. That's enormous. <laughs> you know, just by fighting crunch, not by saying, Well, it just needs to get done, make sure it gets done, or do it faster. You know, that's how I think that's how a lot of uh a lot of developers, because that's how a lot of jobs do it in general, not just game developers, but a lot of jobs just like, you know, oh, we need to save money on labor, work faster. When work faster isn't really the answer, because, yeah, you may get your game out on time, <laughs> you know, you may get, get your game out fast, and you may have saved some some money maybe at that time. But for the amount of money you're probably going to be paying to get those bugs fixed that made it through because people were rushing, you know. Yeah, I mean the whole thing more. with QAs, you need to be taking your time. They they play those levels ad nauseum, just going over and over and over again. Or they should be anyways if they're doing it right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which maybe some games don't, but but yeah, if you can if you can pass some of that off onto um some automated systems to save people some crunch, I think that's great. Yeah, and then, then that's the thing, like I guess the big point I wanted to make was that they actually invest this they invested in this as opposed to just letting it be. Like, you know, okay, let's let's actually build something to help with the crunch as opposed to telling people they need to work faster and more efficiently. Because, I mean, I've seen that so much, you know, in my line of work. I oh you just need to you need to make sure this is done and you need to make sure this is done at this in this amount of time. And right. it's sometimes it's just not possible all the time. Like sometimes, yeah, you can um you know, you can just work more efficiently and be okay. But sometimes you have to cut corners to get, you know, your assigned work done. Yeah. And I think that the other the other thing that he goes into about how a lot of people are talking about how crunch is a problem but no one's doing anything, like, could not be any more right. And I said the same thing when all the, the Team Bondi stuff was coming out. I'm like, okay, so what's the answer? And it was like, oh, I don't know. Like, no, <laughs> well, we're also not devs. Come on now. <laughs> we, any yeah. ideas we have are just purely like, oh, I don't know. They could plan better, but like everybody says that, you know, plan better. But where, you know, where in it is, you know, is the planning better? Uh, right. You're right. It's difficult for us to say that. Like we are not developers. Like we're not there in the trenches doing this. But you didn't hear. But you heard a lot of people coming out and saying, like, "Shame on you!" From the development community, from the media, from gamers, everyone. And it's like. Okay, what do you do different? What do you fix this? And this is really the first time since then that someone has said, "This is what you do." 
And yeah, I think, well, this is what we do, really, because they're not saying it works for everyone, but it works for them. Right. You, know, you have the most recent build, you have all the fixes people have implemented on a regular basis, and then you're not, you know, wondering, like, why is this new version just does not work, you know? It's a good idea. And it's not going to be everybody's case, though. Like, not everybody's going to be able to do that, you know? Yeah, some, just and the people fact develop that games differently. But, yeah. Idea. Oh, yeah. At least he had an actual idea and, like, came out and said, like, you know, well, this is just an idea. This is what we do. But he does make a good point, though, because everybody says it's bad. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Like, yeah oh, that sucks. And then they just leave it alone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What do we do? Keep making my game. <laughs> yeah. Get back to work. <laughs> I'm just, I'm glad that Criterion, they took the initiative to take steps and actually do something to, you know, you know, actually fix the issue. And when you have one person that does something like this, like, hey, we saved $700,000. You know what I'm saying? Now you, you, I think you're going to get more publishers interested. That's a, I think that was the smart, the smart thing that they did. It wasn't just like, this is what we do to eliminate crunch. It was like, this is what we do, and it also saved us almost a million dollars. Yeah. And then publishers' ears perk up, and they go, really? Yeah. <laughs> we like $700,000. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So. Like, we can totally use that. But yeah, they... um. The I th- I know I know EA has more money than you know Criterion as a developer. Okay, because Criterion they develop this stuff themselves. Right. But uh, now EA is looking like oh we should implement that with our other in house stuff and with the dollars they have behind them they could probably build something that's real nice <laughs> you know yep. save even more efficient save more money. So good job Criterion you get the thumbs up from mash those buttons. You can't see it right now, but we are actually putting our thumbs yeah, up. All of us. Yeah. Thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, good job. It's glorious. Now just reinvest that $700,000 into development, please. We'd appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, we'll move on to our next point, which is, uh, well, this is from, is his name Yves Guillemot? From I the, always the, have the trouble C- with this one. The CEO of, of Ubisoft. I believe is Yves. Rob, you want to get the crack? I'm not going to argue with you because I had no mm, idea. Like, I yeah, see the guy that I, all the time. The first name like that, I don't know. <laughs> Honestly. It's probably something weird that we would never think of. Yeah. Uh, Guillermo. How about that? How about <laughs> his last name? How about just okay. that? Yeah. I really don't know how to, you know, what yeah. the uh, per- correct pronunciation for that is. Yeah, we don't put letters like that together in the United States yeah. for names. No, no offense to the French, but I just, yeah, we I, just, no, I don't even know where to begin with that. I think it's yeah. Eve, actually. I think it's just Eve. Eve? Yeah, because yeah. it's Y-V-E-S. Uh, yeah, I think the pronunciation is Eve. Eve but, okay, well. Yeah, my language expertise. I'll right. just call him the, the, the Ubisoft CEO. <laughs> YG. Yeah. YG. <laughs> YG, yeah. Pet name, <laughs> pet name. Um, He's kind of stating the obvious but I do want to talk about it a little bit. Uh, he says that casual could overtake hardcore in terms of uh, market share, which I think is pretty obvious because there's way more casual gamers, way yeah. more than than hardcore gamers, you know. And that's that's just a simple fact. And when you get to the larger publishers, EA, Ubisoft, um, Square Enix, maybe even. Uh, Activision for sure. We've seen that. You know, they they go where the money is. And if the money is in casual, that's where they're going to go. And if they see more and more dollars coming up from casual, because we already know that they're chasing it. They're definitely chasing it. 
with as much you know EA is yep. invested in companies that yep. deal with Facebook games and mobile games. Not saying that they've completely turned coat, but they're positioning themselves to definitely take a, a bigger chunk out of that sector. Um, according to the CEO uh, or YG, as we're gonna call him, uh, casual gamers are forty percent of Ubisoft's revenue. So that's nothing to sneeze at. Um, they have 20 Facebook apps, and across their 20 Facebook apps, they have uh, 10 million registered, or well, monthly active users, sorry, not registered, but people who actively use their apps monthly. 10 million people. Um, See, a number that actually means something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that number that actually means something. And he mentioned that, you know, he, they, they were amazed by the success of Just Dance um, because I... I guess they really didn't expect Just Dance to really take pick, off. take off the way it did because I don't remember seeing any advertisements for Just Dance. Really? The original? I saw a lot. I mean, like it was, it was kind of subtle in a way because actually the original one was just like here's people dancing, and then like and it was just like it would it, the the original commercial was like here's somebody dancing in their living room, and it's like they have a Wii remote, so you're just like oh they're just playing some game, but then like it it switches between different people and then zooms out and it's just like millions of people like all trying out the game playing the game. It was like a really simple commercial, but it got the point across. But it wasn't. Yeah, I remember that. Much, like yeah, it wasn't really as much as like the like oh Katy Perry's got a song in this one like it like the second one turned into, you know. It, yeah, I remember the, <laughs> the, the second one. The second one, I remember, like you know, the commercials for that one. But um, yeah, the first one, I do not remember any commercials at all. But uh, it was yeah, word of mouth game too, because it's that was definitely, and that's the thing about casual too. Casual can be so word of mouth, you know, like uh, uh, anything can be. But casual, when you've got you know a mom who bought it for Christmas for their kids, and their kids like it, they talk with other you know other families at soccer or on the street or whoever, and like all of a sudden like it's just spread like wildfire. Like oh, just dance. Like my kid went over there and they loved it. I need to go get that game too. Like. That was a very big word of mouth game. Like it wasn't like it had a huge advertising campaign, right? It big in that respect. Yeah, but we yeah, it, it did really well. Uh, and there were a couple of other games uh, that he had mentioned that you know were doing well, like Raven Rabbids uh, and the Imagine series, which I haven't even heard of that before. It's really? a- yeah, it's 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 aimed at teenage girls. Oh yeah, but I I can't imagine it's actually done well for them. But I guess so. Like it's it's that stereotypical like we're gonna paint pink sparkles on stuff so the girl like little girls will want it. But it's like the Imagine Games are they to call them a game is kind of terrible actually. But it's it's kind of like a diary and like well oh they had like My Secret World Imagine Games which were like a diary you could keep with like that that was it. <laughs> Really? <laughs> diary on your DS, basically. The other Day Imagine 10, so still bad. no food. Yeah. The channels <laughs> <laughs> of Game Newell. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but the other Imagine Games, not so bad. Like, you know, they had, like, you could, like, be a teacher and babysit and stuff like that. Some of them weren't too bad. Some of them were a little worse. Like, where it was like, whoa, that's... You're getting to the point where you're like, that's a little too much. But... I, I don't know. It's weird that they really did that well. That like that is up there with like Just Dance and Raven Rabbits, though. But whatever. Uh, apparently, it, it's enough for them to actually, you know, mention it. Uh, mm-hmm. But they're looking at everybody, all the major publishers, not even just the major publishers, just developers, even indie devs. You know, make trying trying to get grab a bigger chunk out of that casual gamer um, 
market. So like I said, it's kind of stating the obvious. One thing, I don't know, one thing that I think that they're missing, or maybe they're not missing, maybe they just don't care. Uh, maybe they're going to do a quantity over quality type deal, but like, casual gamers are fickle. Like, I mean, hardcore gamers and people, even people that aren't as hardcore as like what I would consider a hardcore gamer, very brand loyal. You know what I'm saying? Like, even if like, you know, if, if Nick, like if the next Halo came out and it was like, let's say not good, would you not look into buying the, even, even the next Halo after that? I still would look into it. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, you hear me complaining about it a lot, though. Oh yeah, well, yeah, we do but that. I, yeah. As, as as hardcore core gamers, like we do that, we complain about stuff, but we'll still. As much as I don't like what they did with Devil May Cry, I'm still probably going to give it a look. You know, yeah. when it comes out, yeah. you know that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah I actually, can't guarantee I'd buy it, but yeah, like you said, would I would I at least look into it? Yeah, I still would definitely. I would still be like, all right, well, all the other games have been great. They messed up this time. Maybe but, right. but if a casual gamer plays, you know, a game in a series and it's terrible, they move on. You know, exactly. Find something else to play. Like, you know, like, not universally, but like for the most part, yeah. They, it, I don't know, my secret world or whatever doesn't doesn't <laughs> pan out so well, or or found or farm townville, you know, aquarium doesn't play very well. Then they find a different game to play because there's a lot of choices. You know, that's the other that's the other side effect as everybody trying to grab a piece of that pie is that like everybody's putting more in that market. So that kind of makes them even more fickle in a way. Yeah, and the thing is that just that word of mouth thing can work two ways. Like if you if you get a, if the if the casual audience gets a game and it's bad, then part two of bad game comes out. You know, somebody checks it out, but oh yeah, I remember the last one. It was terrible. Talks to their friend. Oh yeah, it's terrible. Don't bother. Oh okay, same yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. does work very much the same way. Yeah, same way. So I mean, that's a that's a dangerous game. That's a dangerous game. I'm just saying, EA, Ubisoft, Activision. Let us love you. That's all. Don't reject. Don't don't reject us. <laughs> yeah. You want to love so badly. Yeah, as as always, like you see a lot of like, oh man, casual versus hardcore, and it's it's just funny though because in a way, like the way that most players play at this point, even even a lot of us that consider ourselves hardcore gamers, like how many games out of all the games that you have sitting around have you actually like beaten? You know, like. Technically, like, I mean, I know it's a different thing to talk about casual game versus casual play style, but a lot of gamers are casual in that respect. So, like, and there's a reason that, you know, casual games work. Like, Plants vs. Zombies is technically a casual game, but that game's got depth to it, and it's good, you know? But, like, that's ca- it's totally a casual game. You know, like, it's not all bad, but I think that publishers see, like, Facebook when they see, you know, casual game, right. and, like, that's where they, that's where their heads go, or, like, free-to-play browser instead of, like, you know, good examples of, you know, what a casual game can be like, you know, and things that that even core gamers will actually play. Right. I don't know. So, well, YG, hopefully, uh, like I said, hopefully, um, it's just not widely adopted <laughs> that, you know, oh, we're going to chase it. We're going to forget that hardcore. We're just going to chase after the casual market, which, uh, while it, if it does happen, I think it's a ways off. And it's something that can totally happen, but it's not guaranteed. Uh, this is why I, I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think indie devs are the future for gamers. You know what I'm saying? For like right. the, the game industry, I really don't think that's going anywhere. Uh, it's well, pretty... look at the movie industry. If you're like a big film aficionado, like the indie films probably, you know, you're taking a lot more seriously most of the time than 
major huge blockbuster comic book films yeah they're just dominating the the movie industry whereas it used to be more. yeah or remakes yeah remakes yeah. Yeah. or yeah. michael bay so, explosion fests yep. yeah action but don't panic too much because things. even despite all that like you wait there there are still you know excellent movies that get made for people that are film buffs i'm not saying i'm a film buff i'm just saying yeah, there, yeah, just yeah. making the yeah just making yeah. the tangent yeah well yeah i guess well, go ahead. You can go ahead. Uh, I, I think the only thing, though, is it's good because he's not saying like they were completely abandoning casual or console. You know, he says he has a wish list of features for the next, you know, next set of hardware that he'd like it to include, and he wants things to be more accessible. So at least they're still thinking about console, but you know, hopefully it's not. Again, the same thing we talk about every other week. Like I just don't abandon what made you, yeah, <laughs> what you much. are. Yeah, and if they do, we're, we're counting on you indie devs. <laughs> Save yeah. us, you're our only hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, let's move on to our next topic, uh, which is our last topic for today, which so is... Sad. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> I, 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 I'm taking it another way, but okay. No, um, I meant it's sad that it was our last topic. Oh, okay, never mind. I didn't, I didn't mean the uh, topic itself was sad. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, regarding uh, the future of consoles, and um, THQ believes that the, the future of console games is cloud gaming. Like, the, the next, not the next, sorry, not the next generation of consoles, but in the future, consoles will drop discs and go into the cloud. Um, I uh, I have I have some thoughts about this, but you know I'll save them for a, a little bit later. Um, the reason his reason behind it is that cloud gaming consoles will reduce the cost or the, the the production cost of consoles, since you know you don't have to worry about discs and um, physical media and putting those drives into the actual console. Uh, you know, you also don't have to worry about those drives breaking because um, that still does happen. <laughs> disk, disk drives breaking in the 360 and so or at PS3. Any of the systems really like it's yeah. just yeah. it's it's mechanical. Well, they can fail. It yeah. happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're saying that the money, well, you know, it'll save money for devs and publishers because no physical goods need to be shipped. Like basically, you just get the final build of the game, you you know, send it to wherever it needs to go, and then they put it up for distribution. Is how that works. Uh, even though we talked about earlier, those savings would never make it to the consumer. Um, no, yeah, this is the not it's a nice it's a nice picture they paint, but the, oh, the yeah. reality is just different. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just some very broad strokes about all this money that everybody's saving. The hardware manufacturers saving money, the developers are saving money, the publishers saving money, the consumers are saving money. Everyone in there will save money except for the consumer. Yeah. pretty much guarantee that right now. Now, I don't know, I can't speak for other countries, but in terms of the United States, in our current state and in the predicted state of our internet, like the way our, our internet structure is, we console, cloud gaming as a majority would not work. Okay, because what's happening right now is, while everything is getting larger, um, you know, high definition videos, files are getting larger, um, our actual bandwidth pipes, and I'm not saying they're limited, but the the actual uh you know service providers limit us with how right. much data we can transfer uh well, just look at um Verizon and AT&T with their wireless data plans they they're shrinking them like you know like for example Verizon was the latest but they uh I used to well I'm still I'm grandfathered in to my unlimited data plan 
because of the time that I got my phone. But if I were to if I were to got a new if I were to got a new phone after a certain date, the thirty bucks that I pay for unlimited data would now go down to two gigs. And if I wanted like four gigs, it's like forty bucks. And like I think it's like five gigs is like um you know Something fifty bucks. Like yeah, ridiculous. It's that is outrageous. As, as, it is absolutely outrageous. Right. But it's that, funny too because at least for me on my AT and T plan, like I never even get close to using two gigs on my phone. I don't. I just don't. Like I don't. I don't know. Maybe I'm abnormal that way. But. It's funny because I was like, well, how much would it cost for me to get a bigger data plan? Like, if I were using, you know, more, it would be it would be less expensive for me to just pay for the extra gig of, of like, if I went over, <laughs> than it would be to, like, go up to another plan. So I was like, well, if I ever do that's break it, then oh well. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. I mean, Comcast has their 250 gigabyte limit. Um, they're probably, I can't. They haven't really said anything about making it larger, but I can totally, I would totally foresee them making it smaller <laughs> you know like okay now your limit is only 150 gigs because yep. our network yep. is growing um there are a lot of Rather there are a lot of money in the infrastructure we're gonna just make the pie smaller that you exactly there are a lot of um there are a lot of service providers out there that actually want to switch to a tiered data plan on regular internet so okay if you need 50 gigabytes you pay 50 dollars you need 100 gigabytes you pay 75 dollars like you know stuff like that those are just examples those aren't quotes by the way but those are examples so like our current in the united states the the infrastructure the internet infrastructure the future of that doesn't line up with cloud gaming true because and you, they lobby so hard in yeah. Congress to keep that down. So much money is spent uh, on trying to give the telecoms all the control and be able to do whatever the hell they want with um with bandwidth and all that. It's it's really a mess. It's it's sad that more people don't pay attention to it. Exactly. I mean, the thing is, like, we're already streaming. We're starting to stream more and more, like streaming TV shows on Hulu, streaming shows over Netflix. You know, stuff like that. Like, now you're going to add another item to stream, and you're talking about, like, gigs of data. You know, you'll you'll hit your limit in, with, in no time. I mean, limits will either have you'll to hit be... Your, you'll hit your limit in October. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with games. Seriously. Yeah. I'm yeah. really serious, though. <laughs> so... If you talk a Blu-ray, if you talk Blu-ray or any of those, even worse. It gets... Eh. Yeah, and then the, the next thing after that, besides the fact that you're now, you're now streaming... And the fact that the, uh, you know, our infrastructure, not our infrastructure, I'm not going to say our infrastructure, but the, the business model of our telcos is, you know, not congruent with streaming a whole bunch of stuff. The fact that internet doesn't stay up all the time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, in some places, well, I know I have some friends when it rains, the internet goes out. You know? Like, that's that's bad. I mean, like, when your internet's out, that's when you want to play, you know, have some single-player action going on. But... They can't even do that with a cloud gaming structure. On top of that, you also have the fact that licensing is different when you do cloud gaming. When you buy a game through a cloud service, you're you're not buying that. Like right now, when you buy a hard copy of a game, you are buying a license to a copy of that game. You own a license copy of that game. Okay, you do. When you go through like a cloud gaming service, like for example, like when you go through OnLive and you purchase a game through OnLive. You don't own that license. You are paying OnLive just to use that game. Yeah, you're you know paying them for their license, basically. Exactly. Like, hey, we have a license. You can play. And that's what happens. Now, and the reason I'm bringing it up is because what happens if you're using a streaming service for games? 
and it goes belly up. You just lost like you just lost access to all of your stuff. Yeah, doesn't matter if you bought it or not. You you don't. It's not like you can go to the publisher and well, could you just send me a copy of that? Like, no, you bought it through <laughs> the cloud. You know, like it's not yeah, unless it's coming problem. from the publisher themselves. Like they're not gonna ever respect that. <laughs> you know, basically, like that. That's between you and the company that you bought it from. Exactly. I will say though, and this is in our post. Like he, like you, you said too, Jared. He just says future. Yeah. It's not like it's not like he's saying next generation. He's not even saying next next generation or next 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 generation. It's just I mean, who knows. He's just saying sometime between now and the end of time. This is what I see happening. Which no, to me right, is kind of like is, all right. Well, you're really yeah. not going out on much of a limb there. So yeah. It's kind of like digital. Yeah, it's kind of like the um, digital distribution. It's like well, yeah, yeah duh. <laughs> who knows? All, all these troubles that we see now, like it, there's a lot of impediments in the way of this happening. But who knows where we're going to be in, you know, 20, 30 years. Maybe things will swing for the better. We don't need cloud gaming look in 20, like 20, 30 it, years because we will be jacking in at that point. That's true. That's true. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we'll for those see. who don't want holes drilled in the back of our heads, this could be a nice alternative. <laughs> if there's just be saying. <laughs> <laughs> there is no other way to play. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Fine, fine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I mean, it's... I see, I see consoles getting to the point where they're, you know, cloud, where there's no, no disk drive, no physical media around the same time I see, you know, you being able to do home movies the same way. That's, that's the way I see it. Like, until you can get, like, you know, have a player, you know, uh, I guess, you know, not a Blu-ray player because there'd be no Blu-ray, but, like, have something that could stream, like, a Blu-ray movie, you know, or pull it from a cloud to watch it. And like that's just the way that movies work. Until that happens, you're not gonna see that with consoles either. Uh, you know, it's gonna precede the other. I mean, like yeah, the tendency lately is for consoles to precede like new media or something like that or new ideas. But I don't think you see it that you know far ahead of time before you know what used to have Blu-rays and stuff or Blu-ray two or whatever coming out. Yeah. You don't not gonna have a console that uses no physical media. I can totally see consoles dropping a disc drive. But not necessarily for cloud gaming. Like when digital distribution, because I can totally see digital di- distribution becoming large and going into consoles. And once that becomes the norm, I would say, okay, they might drop the disk drive. But at least you still have a copy of that game. Like you still own that license, yeah, even though it's right, digital. You download it. And it's downloaded. So if you lose internet connection to Xbox Live or to PSN, oh, I can still play my game. You know, yeah, cloud. that's the thing. Like, well, you, that's the yeah. Maybe something needs to be clarified. You know, you talk about the cloud; it's kind of ambiguous in a way. You know, yeah. people think that you're talking about digital distribution, and that's not what we're talking about. Like, right. we're talking about a game that's held on somebody's server somewhere that basically you can stream and play on your system, not something you download and then play. Like, you don't ever get a copy of that game. It's not Steam. You know, Steam goes belly up. You still have those games that you purchased from Steam. You know, you may not have support, but you have those games still. But cloud gaming, like that goes early up, that's on their servers. You know, you yeah, may have a, definitely a whole other step. They have a save that. file on your system. That's what you probably have. You don't ever have that game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I do think they will. there will be cloud gaming on consoles, but I don't think it's going to be a major, major play. draw. I don't think it's going to replace. Actually, what I do think we're going to see, though, um, I think in the next generation of consoles, there's going to be cloud streaming on the consoles, but for demos. Yeah. 
I could see that because it is that is probably be cool. like the biggest holdover from like even you know it, you know first you had discs and now you can download demos but some I mean you're talking demos now that are like in the like two three four gig range and you're talking multiplayer demos or you know big game I mean I downloaded uh, God like Uncharted like the Uncharted multiplayer I was yeah. like good two half gigs Assassin's Creed beta same thing you know like. I could see cloud gaming for that, yes, but not as like a replacement for you know the way that we purchase games. Digital distribution is the future in that respect, not not cloud. Yeah, <laughs> that is an entire replacement. Uh, exactly. So, well, we'll see. What I mean, only the we have to get to the future to actually see what's going to happen. So, that's true. yeah, I mean, when we're on podcast seven hundred thousand and forty-two, then we'll we'll revisit this. Like, yeah. hey, look at that. We were wrong, guys. <laughs> Hold yeah. on, let me get my respirator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, we'll see. But uh, yeah, that's going to that's gonna be it for us in terms of topics. But we do want to talk about our question from last week, uh, which is, what do you think is the best way to combat piracy? Um, so we got two good responses. Well, we got two responses, period. And luckily, they were good. So, um, yeah, the first is from WookieBH, and he says, uh, I don't think there's a good defense against piracy, as there will always be people too cheap to buy the game. And if you make a game valuable, as pointed out, then enough people will pay for the game that it shouldn't matter. Also, in lieu of DRM, if you make a game require persistent internet connection, that will work as well, but it has to be for good reason. Blizzard's integration with Battle.net is enough for me to accept that Diablo 3 will need to be to be online even for single-player play, but Blizzard's probably the only company I would trust like that. Along the line of driver DRM, he's talking about driver San Francisco, uh, DRM is stupid. So, um, in terms of that, it's kind of the same sentiment we had on the, on the Pirates Gonna Pirate podcast. You know, there's always going to be somebody who's going to pirate the game and the way to actually, you know, I guess fight piracy is to make it valuable so people actually want to buy it. You know, do you guys agree with that, I'm assuming? Yeah. Football. I mean, we that's I mean, that's basically what we talked about last podcast, you know, you you make the experience, you know, the, the game Newell method, you make the game worth playing, you know, worth buying to the point where people don't even want to, you know, they want to see more so they buy instead of, you know, trying to pirate it. Right, you give something that's like, eh, it's okay looking, you know. Then all of a sudden, you're gonna have people who are like, "Well, I'm gonna pirate it first and try it," quote unquote. <laughs> the you know the excuse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next comment is from Obaba, which says, uh, "Well, she gives an example of uh, I think this is an anti-piracy commercial. Well, she did. Yeah, she actually does say it's a commercial. But actually, I think I saw it where it says something like, "Would you download a car?" You know. Or steal a car. I think actually, you one at least one I saw said, "Will you steal a car?" But um, you know, then she says, "Then you have other questions to ask, like, well, how long would it take to download the car? How many gigs would a Ford Escort be? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, stuff like that." And it's just, it's just, it's not that people want to steal; it's that the convenience of download makes it more appealing than the headache of actually going to a dealership and haggling. Um, in case of our in the case of our downloadable car, that is. Uh, but then she goes on to say, services like Steam have made it terribly convenient uh, for players to get what they need right now. The lack of packaging each product means that one file can produce loads of income. No floor re- no restock or floor space needed. This allows them to sell at a lower price than either 
uh, either the dedicated I, gaming, uh, sorry, <laughs> gaming outlets. I lost my place, and the big discount shopping centers. Uh, it also says this model has become more popular as companies turn to distribution this way with movies, books, music, and software. It's not only not only has it reduced piracy, but it's also lessened the impact and loss due to piracy that's still going on. You know, because I guess mainly because they get more, uh, you know, more revenue from what they have. But I agree, it's the the same thing. Like you have to make it worth it. Like you know, convenience is my anti-piracy. I I talked about it on that podcast. Like you know, when I was younger, I pirated, but when once I got a job and started getting some money, it was just so much more convenient to go to a store, buy the game, and install it, then search the torrent site, search around the internet, trying to find a good version of the right. game. One that you actually can get enough seeders for, one that's not yeah. got some virus in it. Yeah, exactly. You, you, there's things you don't want to deal with, but if you could sit at home and just get Dallas. the same thing and you can pay for it, you know, because Might as you know, well. do it legit. Actually, I have, I have a good example. Like, when I... The, the first time I played Oni, it was... I, I, I had um, downloaded it. I had pirated it. And it took me a, 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 a decent amount of time to actually find it, a version that will work, period. But then I got to a certain part of the game, like which was pretty close to the end, and after a specific cutscene, it just cut out. I couldn't complete the game. I wound up buying it anyway, like two years later, because I wanted to finish the game. So not only did I end up buying it anyway, but I would just waste time, <laughs> you know? You know, trying to find that that downloadable version. That's the thing. It's convenience. That's that's my takeaway from her comment. That you know, if you can make it convenient enough. I agree for the most part, actually. That um, and like you said, Rob, we talked about it last week. The whole thing, and Gabe knew we were talking about going to Russia, and it was so inconvenient to get good localized games. And they're like, well, let's make this more convenient, and they were successful. But I do think that there are there are people out there that do just 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 want to steal things, and just don't want to pay. Um, regardless of the convenience. It probably changes, like you said, Jared, a lot as you get older and you have a better job and you can afford to buy things. I So I think it's a great way definitely to combat it because, you know, you're never going to completely eliminate it. Blech. Eliminate it. <laughs> but um, that's a, a good way to, to um, drag it down a little bit. Yeah, definitely. So uh, definitely thank you for your comments, guys. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, so it's for this week because like, like I mentioned, like I said last last week, we do not go over these questions beforehand. So let's see what to ask. Let's talk. You want to talk? Guys, want to talk about cloud gaming? Maybe for this week. Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about a little. Still talking about piracy and consoles and stuff like that. Let's. I don't know. Let's talk about the. When do you? What do you see? Actually, no, because I mean, we've already we've already kind of talked about you know like oh what's what's the future of, of hardware. Well, know. maybe like just like what? Maybe just what are your thoughts on cloud gaming? Yeah, do you want cloud mm. gaming? How about that? Not do you yeah. see it coming? Because it's coming. Is cloud gaming something that you actually want? Yeah, like uh, yeah. What are you? What do, are your you feelings? Placing you know physical media all together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, what are your feelings on cloud gaming? What are your do thoughts? Do you hate plastic? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> let us know. Definitely, let us know. Um, but other than that, we, we're pretty much done here. Let's see what's coming out uh, um, next week. Now we've got some stuff. Red Orchestra? And Red Orchestra comes out next week? Yes, yes, That's yes. That's talked about that game recently. Who was that? That was me. Crying oh, Russians. Yes. Yeah. What possibly could he have said? <laughs> the only game that ever make me feel bad about killing somebody. Red Orchestra. 
Yeah, so. Uh, but yeah, we got Red Orchestra next week. Actually, there's a whole bunch of games here. So let's 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 do it. Um, so you got <laughs> Bit Trip Saga. I'm gonna mention the ones that I think are actually worth mentioning here. So you got Bit Trip Saga for the 3DS. Um, I'm not. I don't think it's really worth it, but I'm mentioning anyway. Camping Mama Outdoor Adventures. <laughs> you, I'm you, you, you can check that out. Um, God of War Origins for the PS3. Add a collection. Yeah. Um, Harvest Moon, Tale of Two Towns, and HAL 12. Um, I never even, Nicktoons MLB 3, uh, 3, MLB for 360 DS and Wii. Never heard of it. I didn't even know that anybody else did that. (laughs) Yeah. that's happening. Yeah. Um, let's see, Supremacy MMA, and The Gunstringer. Yeah, if you're a big Connect guy, you probably, you should be looking forward to that. Yeah, and like White Knight Chronicles too. Um, so there's a couple things on there that I guess if you if you're interested. I think the biggest thing on that list is NHL twelve for next week. Oh. Yeah, should be a big sports game. Yeah, sports title. Yeah, I think that is the I'm losing it here down the stretch, guys. <laughs> it's because yeah, we're uh <laughs> this is longer than we uh we had a lot of topics. <laughs> We've been doing a lot of talking and I'm out of water. So <laughs> he's in the desert. He's crawling. <laughs> there, yeah. It's the oasis at the end of this podcast. Yeah. So uh, yeah, there's a that's that's what's coming out. You can look forward to. Of course, as we get deeper or closer to November, you know, zero hour. Also, also there's known as yeah, also known as Call of Duty Day. You know, oh, that's zero hour now. That's Jeez. zero hour because that's going to be the center. Everything's sucking there. Like it's it's being pulled into there. The closer you get there, you know, it actually the has more some gravitational pull. Yeah, pretty much. Um, you be the only way you can actually, uh, you know, not get caught in this if you hold on to the battlefield ship. <laughs> I'll be flying the jet, you so like no, you can't just no black hole pulling me in. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, thanks for listening. You can check us out on SoundCloud at uh, SoundCloud.com/slash/MashThoseButtons. You could check us out on uh, Facebook at Facebook.com/slash/MashThoseButtons, and we are on Twitter at Twitter.com/slash/MTBSite. Um, we've recently go to me. Yeah, all complaints <laughs> go to Rob. Yeah, if you if you have a problem, just you know, go ahead and you can email Rob, or you know, it's just it, the community mailbox, just community at MashThoseButtons.com. Uh, we recently made some updates to the site, so you might want to check it out and let us know what you think. Love it, hate us, or in general, leave us a comment. Talk to us. Let us know how you feel. We care about your feelings about Mash Those Buttons. <laughs> so, yeah. Not those other feelings. You can keep those ones. Yeah, like if your girlfriend just broke up with you, really not the place. Yeah, maybe we'll start a podcast for that. We'll we'll answer you know some of your relationship questions. But you you might want to try my brother and brother me for that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a better spot for those questions. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what to do. Neither yeah. do I. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, thank like I said, thanks for listening, and we will catch you guys next week probably with a shorter podcast (laughs) so we can only hope (laughs) yeah we will catch you guys later have a good one all right come on everyone